The little guy from Shawinigan, Le Petit Gar, Jean Chrétien turned 90 recently, and a who's who of Canadian politics turned out for an event in Ottawa to honour Canada's 20th Prime Minister. Even Stephen Harper, who once squared off against Chrétien, sent a video message that had the place in uproarious laughter as Harper sang to Chrétien in French. Hello and welcome to the Full Comment Podcast. My name is Brian Lilly, your host. And this week, we're going to look at the Chrétien legacy. In the time around his birthday, there were no ends of accolades, some media interviews, and a lot of reminiscing. Chrétien is having a bit of a moment, but not everyone is impressed. Chris Selly penned a column in National Post titled, More Pearls of Nonsense from Jean Chrétien, with the subhead, Why is anyone still listening to this proudly amoral mediocrity? In it, he takes Chrétien to task on several fronts, including his handling of Indigenous issues as minister and as PM. Like all prime ministers, Chrétien's reigns had its good points and its bad. He was famous for colorful turns of phrase. For me, Pepper, I put it on my plate. <laughs> Next. I don't know. A proof is a proof. What kind of a proof? It's a proof. A proof is a proof. And when you have a good proof, it's because it's proven. He famously balanced the budget and he put Canada on a sound fiscal footing. He was also PM during what became known as the sponsorship scandal. He was PM of the country when it was nearly torn apart by a referendum in Quebec, but he was also PM when the side of national unity won. So where does Chrétien's legacy stand 20 years after he left office? That's really only something that can be properly assessed years after he's gone, and perhaps now's the time. So to take a look at the Chrétien legacy, I'm joined by Chris Selly of the National Post, also Stephen LeDrew, a lawyer, political commentator, and a man who spent many years inside the Liberal Party and served as party president while Chrétien was leader. Gentlemen, thanks for the time. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. Chris, let me start with you. Um, Your column took Chrétien to task at a time when the Liberal Party was singing his accolades. A big part of the focus, but not the only part of your column, was looking at his record on Indigenous issues. And I found it interesting that after singing his praises for for days, the Liberals were suddenly running away from Gretchen when it came out that uh, while he was Prime Minister, he tried to weaken the language in the United Nations Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples. And they're calling that a a stain on Canada's uh, history. The liberals seem to uh, love and hate the guy all at the same time. Well, yeah, that was an interesting moment because that's far from the most damning thing uh, in hindsight about his record on on Indigenous affairs. I mean, frankly, I would prefer to have a prime minister who tried to influence wording in an agreement like that that Canada could actually support rather than what the current government has done, which is essentially say, oh, no, we agree with everything in this UN Declaration on Indigenous Affairs. We're going to make it Canadian law, but really nothing's going to change. Um, you know, Indigenous people in Canada don't have self-determination just because we've said we agree with uh, the um, uh, with the UN Declaration. To me, what's more remarkable is that his legacy, uh, his his sort of reputation, has survived intact as we've really been kind of well canceling people who had anything whatsoever to do with the residential school system over the years. Well, canceling conservatives who have had anything to do with the residential school system, because, you know, there's still a mountain named after Pierre Trudeau. There's still uh, schools named after him, a statue in Toronto, a statue in Montreal, an airport in Montreal. And he, he opened the last residential school in Canada. Yeah, that's true. Although, I mean, one of the most notable people to be canceled was Egerton Ryerson, who was a, uh, uh, 
public education pioneer in Ontario who had very little to do, or Upper Canada as it then was, who had very little to do really with the residential school system. And he wasn't identified as a conservative uh, or a liberal. Uh, as far as I know, I don't actually know what his political affiliations were. So it was broader than that. Um, and if anything, but all I mean is if anything was going to make people say, oh, you know, geez, maybe we shouldn't be quite so um, laudatory about Jean Gretchen over his record in Indigenous Affairs, it would be, the, you know, the fact that he introduced the 1969 White Paper, which was essentially going to write special status for, for um, Indigenous people out of existence, you know, an assimilationist document that eventually got withdrawn. But, you know, just a few years ago, or two years ago, uh, he, he just gave this horrendous interview in, in Quebec, where he basically... It sounded like he didn't even really understand what the residential schools were. He sort of compared them to his own experience at boarding school, um, where he had not, you know, his parents had not been forced to send him there. Uh, and it was, this was an academically elite seminary school, obviously. So uh, there was so much on his record to make people pause. And, and, and so it was, I found it remarkable that it was that story about uh, the negotiations on the UN Declaration that finally got people liberals you know as you say a stain i mean that's a pretty harsh well, word i i uh i am not a fan of canceling people um in general and and definitely not over um historical uh positions but Stephen, uh what would you uh, say in response to to chris on this front well i mean this is going to sound heresy to most of your listeners but quite frankly residential schools were not a big issue until just in the last few years, in the past few years. It was um, Pierre Elliott Trudeau, as, uh, as Chris said, opened up the, the last school. He, as um, Minister of Justice and then carried on as Prime Minister, uh, brought them totally under the, the auspices of the federal government. They were still considered to be uh, better than the alternative in some cases. And there's no question. I mean, you can't question the fact that there are some horrific experiences, particularly around the turn of the last century. Uh, no question about that. But, I mean, when you have someone as enlightened as Pierre Elliott Trudeau saying, well, listen, it's better than the alternative in some cases. And that went on for years and years and years. That's why I say um, it will sound like heresy to some people. But put yourself in the context of the time and then put yourself, as Chrétien did, let's not forget, Kretchen, when he was in Indian Affairs, as it was called then, um, made extensive visits uh, throughout the communities. He made a whole new community for Davis Inlet when he went there and saw what terrible conditions. He spent tens of millions of dollars. We're going to build a brand new community with everything uh, for you people in Davis Inlet um, and move you over there so you have a better life. Kretchen actually adopted, and I'll use this because I'm in a part of Ontario where there's a reserve nearby, and the people on the reserve call themselves Indians. So Gretchen adopted an Indian boy, and brought him into his family, and treated him like a son. So yes, there were some inadequacies, but I don't think there were, uh, you know, nobody should be canceling Gretchen for what he did on the Indian file. Uh, it, it's interesting you say that uh, what you're saying is heresy. Now, I remember covering the residential school apology that Stephen Harper gave and uh, speaking to people who had gone to the residential schools and hearing from those who had gone through horrific ordeals, but also people who said, I actually had a good education. That's not the story for everyone, but mine was good. You can't tell those stories now. 
That you can't tell those stories at this point. Better than the alternative. I, I've spoken to people like that too, Brian. That would be great if attendance had been voluntary. Uh, I don't think you can really excuse taking people's kids away, uh, even in the benefit of hindsight. But it was the uh, the most enlightened minds of the day said it was the right thing to do. And as often as the case, the most enlightened minds of the day didn't know what they were talking about. Gretchen's uh, biggest legacy, though, that most people remember him for, they talk about his fiscal record. And that's one where he continues to get accolades, even though you know th- there's qualms about that, like balancing the budget on the backs of the provinces. But it is something that people still talk about. And they say, well, at least Gretchen balanced the books. Well, Gretchen was a liberal. And when you say, when you say, Brian, that people now, there are some people who are supporting and some people who are not, that's because of the, the great division uh, right now in the Liberal Party. Gretchen was a, not a classical liberal, but he was a traditional liberal. And uh, he knew that you have to balance the books and he knew that you had to have programs in certain circumstances, but he was not a radical, uh, or nor, nor was he a socialist. And the people who um, are not supporting him now are the Justin liberals, as I pull them, I say, and, and they are, quote, either progressives or socialists, and they don't like what Kretchen did because they have a very new uh, viewpoint of the world, which... I would say over at least over half the party does not support. Chris? Yeah, I, I think, uh, I mean, I noticed over the past couple of weeks, I saw a couple of people in interviews ask him about his, his top achievements, and he says balancing the books. Both times I saw uh, number one, and absolutely. Um, you know, that's pretty much an unimpeachable um, part of his legacy, although, you know, obviously, as you say, the provinces would, <laughs> would, uh, would, uh, have some, have some quibbles with that, but it's, it's, you know, it's fascinating how out of fashion that has now become. Um, and I don't even really get the impression that, uh, you know, the, the, the conservatives now, Pierre Polyev talks, talks about balancing the budget, but it's not sort of, it's not like a balance the budget at all costs kind of message that you would sometimes get. Uh, well, not at all costs, but, uh, you know, until quite recently, like even the NDP would have their platforms uh, promising balanced budgets. And at some point, we're going to have to get back to that. Mulcair ran yeah. on a bu- balanced budget in 2015 and uh, Jack right. Layton and did in 2011. And at some point, we're going to have to get back to that. And at, at that point, Gretchen will probably, you know, people will look to what he did. Um, yeah, I, you can't quibble with, with that part of his legacy as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Stephen, you were around at that point. Um, you know, maybe you've heard this story, maybe you've heard others, but I'm told that um, when ministers would go and they'd have this great idea, and you know, because Cretchen would allow ministers to go out and come up with policy ideas and then pitch them to him, and so they'd they'd be like, "Oh, boss, I got something. I got something really good. I just need an, an increase of X number of dollars or X percent in the department's budget." And he would, I'm told he would sit there and listen and say, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And then the minister would leave and he would call Martin and Treasury Board and say, cut them by double what they asked for. And that stopped <laughs> ministers from asking for money. Have you heard that story or others like it? Well, I, I have heard that story. I have uh, a story, uh, well, actually, it was when he was uh, Minister of Justice. But Kretchen poli- was and is a consummate political animal. And so the story you just recounted, Brian, is about finances. But he would always look at something from, in those days, finances, because he was trying to balance the budget. But in in other circumstances, 
you would look at the politics of it. Is this going to be a problem down the line? Is this new program going to be worth it? Is this uh, question that you want to address really, you know, going to be uh, stirring up trouble for me and for my government? Uh, he would rather let things lie than be a uh, a real disturber of the the status quo. <laughs> well, that, that's unlike the a current conservative, guy. I might say. <laughs> so, well, well, he was. He, he was a traditional yeah. liberal that way. In other words, he would say, if, if it's not broken, we aren't going to go in there and, and stir but, this but, thing but up. But let me compare that so to the I current have, guy, because we've got a story out of the Montreal yeah, Gazette where they're going after wood-fired pizzerias and bagel shops over pollution and climate change. <laughs> and you're like, really? You're going to take on this? this? This is what's going to save the world is taking on. Uh, that's something to me, the Kretchen would look at and say, you know, that might make the people angry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're absolutely right. But that's how Kretchen, that's how Kretchen judged matters and whether it was worth it or not. And uh, that's why uh, many people in the party now say, gosh, wish we had that guy back because he wouldn't be going off on these cockamamie schemes, which are, I think, probably, well, they're, they're ill-advised at best. And the, probably part of the problem with them is that it's to um, deflect criticism of the failures of this government. So let's have something new that somebody might like. That's what that's what Trudeau's. Okay, so at. you're talking about someone who's very pragmatic. Now, Chris, your subhead, and I don't know if you wrote it, but it's in your column as well. You you described Kretchen as amoral. You didn't have any guiding principles. Um, tell me why you're saying that. What what is it that makes well, you jump out and say this guy's completely amoral? Not immoral, but amoral. Well, I think Stephen kind of hit on it. There is is that he had an, a. a an acute sense of what the public wanted and what the public didn't want. Uh, and that's a good thing, but I think it led him, uh, it, 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 his pragmatism, I think is to a fault and it's still to a fault. I mean, when you look, for example, at his relations with, with the Chinese, um, you look, for example, when, you know, when, uh, we were trying to get the two Michaels out and he was just out there flapping his gums saying, Oh, let's, let's just, you know, free, Meng Wanzhou, you know, never mind the rule of law. We'll just we'll just do a prisoner exchange, like we're in the Middle East or something. Um, his record on on China overall that, is Chris. Well, it's Chris. What what would have been what, the matter with that if there had been just an as you say an exchange of prisoners? Forget about the rule of law because this we have because a practical we have an agreement thing. with the United we States because back. we have it because we have an agreement with the United States on expedition. We right. could have gotten around that agreement easily. Talked to a number of lawyers, and they there's ways to get around that. But the government was just so doe-headed; they didn't have any operatives, they didn't have anybody who knew what the heck they were doing. And Kretchen, you know, I mean, you can point it out, Chris, as it was a fault, but he was very practical. And I dare say, so we had some judge in Vancouver who spent months, if not years, trying to figure out whether she should go back or not or be released. And we had two Canadians in in prison in China for many more years than would have been the case if we had just made an exchange, whatever, I don't know, two hey, years earlier. Let, let, let me push back on you a bit there, Stephen. Um, you know, to Chris's point, yeah. there is an extradition agreement with the United States. Wouldn't this have been just giving into hostage diplomacy? Um, all the time when you're dealing with hostages, 
even though you don't say it, you don't admit it, um, we know that there is a certain giving in to hostage diplomacy. And you, you, you couch it in different words, but clearly the United States, they didn't want to go ahead with this either. If we had had some uh, smart operatives going to Washington saying, look, here's an easy way out of this thing. They could have sold it. It would have been done legally. Uh, Chris, I, I agree with you on, on China being a, a bad spot for Kretchen, but also, unfortunately, an awful lot of retired Canadian politicians of the last quarter century. Oh, he wasn't they alone. All seem to get ri- <laughs> they all seem to get rich off of China, and, and, and their, their, their judgment on the issue, I think, goes out the window. But, but at home, I mean, don't yep. you want some pragmatic, transactional politics? You know, it, look, the, the knock against the liberals is if you don't like their principles, hang on five minutes, they've got more. Uh, and, and that really they're only about power. But th- there is something to be said for just getting things done as opposed to arguing the way that at times the NDP and the conservatives can be too doctrinaire. I, I mean, I, I, I agree. Look, I mean, pragmatism is is a, a Canadian trait, and I think that's one of the reasons why Canadians like Kretchen. But as I say, I think you can take it. And, and it looks good now, as you say, because there's just so much we, just so much weirdness coming out of Ottawa. Just, just you know, bagels and pizzerias. Just, <laughs> wh- wh- I mean, that's not like a cabinet decision. That's some kind of regulatory body doing that. But I mean, at the same time, like, what? why are we... Plastic straws. You know, we don't we don't send any plastic into the ocean. Why are we? Why, okay. why are we doing these things? And yeah, absolutely. Chris, I mean, I, the, the, bless, bless you for that. Bless you for that. Even though the government would would be probably crawling down my neck right now if they heard me. Bless you for that because there does need to be a degree of pragmatism in this government, some common sense, some good judgment that most Canadians now I dare, dare say are saying is absent. Well, so Wayne Easter. A uh, longtime Liberal MP, cabinet minister under, I think he even held a post under Trudeau, if I'm not mistaken. If not, he was at least, you know, uh, committee chair and such, but a longtime upstanding Liberal. He turned around a little while ago and he said, I'm a member of the Liberal Party, not the Justin Trudeau moment. So before we take a break, let's take a couple of moments and talk about the difference between the Liberal Party as it once existed, and and Justin Trudeau's cult of personality, or as somebody recently put it to me, they called it the Kielberger Party. This is this is we <laughs> for politics. It's about getting up on stage, making you know grand uh, statements, and doing nothing except getting rich while feeling good about yourself. Yeah, I mean, I, I have this expression. I I don't know if I coined it or if I saw it somewhere and I've I've used it, but but. With the liberals, with these guys, it's like the announcement is the policy. They announce something, and that's that. And it's like, well, is it going to work? Oh, I don't know. Like, we'll deal with that, you know, months down the line. We're just trying to win this twenty-four hour media cycle here. So we've got this announcement, and and you know, then we'll check it to the minister, and we'll see if it it, it works or not. I mean, you know, they're losing control of immigration. Um, for God's sake, like, it's quite amazing that. Justin Trudeau set to lose, um, set to lose power, and part of his legacy at this point would be fracturing, not not totally, but somewhat uh, a, a really excellent consensus that we've had about immigration. Um, you know, we can quibble over numbers, but the fact is, we want, we generally all want a lot of immigrants. We can't build houses 
for them. They're bringing in, you know, they brought in so many uh, foreign students. They didn't know what they were doing. I mean, this, this to me is something that I would not expect a Khrushchev government to do. And, um, you know, Chris, Chris, part of that, Stephen, and you say you would not expect a Khrushchev government to do, and I think you're absolutely right on that, because Khrushchev had a number of very solid ministers in his cabinet. He was not afraid um, of having someone else who might be as smart as he is or might be as practical, unlike our current prime minister, who seems doesn't want anybody in his cabinet who has uh, an ounce of brains, which would be more than what he has. So, I mean, when you have these um, you know these policies coming out of this uh, this government uh, you don't have ministers who are are going to be pursuing it you're, you're right you have an announcement by the prime minister usually not by other ministers by the prime minister and they say oh how, how good are we uh, we're investing in the middle class we are building the middle class we are building houses he's going across the country now with announcements of how many houses he has built total BS. Well, and, and and he'll make these announcements, you know, oh, we, we're, we're building uh, 140 units here in Guelph, Ontario. 140 units? <laughs> Have you looked at the numbers here? This has nothing to hold a press conference about. I mean, it, it's good, but holy cow. Like, we need, like, we need thousands, starts, not hundreds. starts in this country are going down. We're building fewer homes now, year over year, as the housing crisis gets worse and worse. Yeah, to your point about competent ministers, Stephen, uh, was interesting to see John Manley come out about Canada's position on the world stage, and uh, I, I know you disagree with John on um, on on China, uh, Chris. So do I. Don't worry. But you know, he stood up and he said, "We used to be listened to, and and we were." Manley was going back and forth across the border in the days after nine eleven, keeping the border open when the Americans wanted everything shut. He was. Uh, dealing with the Afghan issue for Stephen Harper on a, uh, a bipartisan committee looking at where we should go in the war. People used to seek out Canada's opinion, and I don't think anybody does now unless they happen to be scrolling by on Twitter. Yeah, I'm not so sure. I mean, I, that was an interesting <laughs> article uh, I read. The, the article I read about, about John Manley's uh, comments was interesting because it didn't mention a single example of Canada actually seeking us out. And you mentioned a couple there. But I've always, I've always thought that that's somewhat exaggerated, um, the idea of Canada as this sort of leading, honest broker in the world. And, and one of the things well, that Kretschmann, you know. when, when, Kretschmann just, when, when Kretschmann a few years ago, actually, I think it was on the occasion of his 80th birthday, um, he was talking about how, how, you know, when he went abroad, when he, was a, when he was prime minister, everyone was, oh, you know, Canada, we need you to do this and do that. I mean, the most, the most famous foreign policy um, well, the most famous foreign trip, I, I would think, of Kretschmann's career was we went to Israel in 2000 and just made a complete jackass out of himself for like five days in a row. And like he left and the Palestinians were angry, the Syrians were angry, the Lebanese were angry, the Israelis were angry. He, he was just a, a, a bumpkin on the world stage. And it was truly embarrassing. And, and so to, to me, to hear him, he, to hear him talk about how great things were when he was in charge, Look, the man has an ego, and he's entitled to it. But uh, it, it it really gets up my nose. Well, Chris, you're absolutely right about that visit. It was an embarrassment, and you can't uh, you can't have uh, perfection. And that was you're right. It was that was just a a dog's breakfast that visit from from beginning to end. But 
He had very few of those. And Canada, notwithstanding a failure or two by the prime minister, still had weight. It still had gravitas. And yeah, certainly had more. now, largely because of the number of circumstances, one, because our prime minister is a flake. He is a lightweight. The other world leaders, um, you know, just say, oh, geez. They, they treat him like Canada's version of uh, Berlusconi when he was prime minister of Italy. You know, here comes here comes the joker. And so we have a joker as prime minister. And, yeah, no, flake is the right word. Okay, flake. And uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll uh, accede to you on that, Chris. But the other thing is then that we have nothing in Canada to back it up. I mean, we don't. We are not in the five eyes anymore. When United States, Britain, uh, you know, uh, Australia get together to deal with defense issues, they don't even call Canada anymore. It's not because necessarily the prime minister. We don't have any ships that float. We have very few planes that fly. We don't have soldiers or sailors. There's nothing that we can bring to the table. We're going to take a quick break here, guys. It's a fascinating conversation, and we haven't even gotten to sponsorship. Shawinigate, the Quebec referendum, national <laughs> unity. We got to talk about all of those when we come back. We've talked about Jean Chrétien's legacy when it comes to fiscal sanity, the indigenous issue, uh, how the party's changed. But what about some of the scandals that hit him and the way the country was managed? Shawinigate is not one that most people would remember, involved a golf course and a grant to a business in his riding. But most people remember sponsorship, even if they don't know all the ins and outs. And even though the Gomery Inquiry found that, um, didn't find blame for Gretchen, it's still a stain on his legacy. Um, Stephen, you were there at the time. How much was this hurting the, the Liberal Party when you were still involved? You, by, by the way, for people that don't know, Stephen is not involved in the current rendition of the Liberal Party, if you can't tell. But back then, back in the early 2000s, how much was this hurting this institution that you and so many others had worked hard to uh, to build up over the years? Well, I was uh, I was president of the Liberal Party at the time, and uh, I was uh, I presided over an executive committee of about fifty people from coast to coast to coast who met four times a year, and I can tell you it was um, a serious problem, and at the time. But this, let's remember Kretchen's advice to his ministers if they had a problem. Don't react right away. Don't go out there and flap your arms. He said, when a bird comes along and has a, has a dump on your, your shoulder, for instance, or on, on, your, on your coat, if you wipe it away right away, it's going to be a greasy mess. If you just let it sit for a while and dry, and then you'll just what you know, flake it off. It'll just uh, go away. And uh, he, that was the way. <laughs> bizarre that was the way. Okay. <laughs> that, was, well, that's, that is what he said. That, he, that is what he said many times. I remember one time, Jane Stewart, uh, remember her? She was a very competent minister. She had a, a political problem one time. She's outside the second, the prime minister's offices on the second floor of the, uh, of the center block, and she's talking to the press, and it's not going that well. He just walks in and takes over and says, wait, 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 wait. What are we doing discussing this now? We have things to talk about that are important, and we're just going to let this issue dry for a while. And of course, with the compliant Ottawa press, oh, sure, Mr. Prime <laughs> Minister, Jane 
step back. The prime minister walked away. They all looked at each other. And of course, just like Kretchen saying, with the bird dropping, dro- uh, drying on your coat, in a few days, you just flick it away and <laughs> you go on your merry way. So, yes, there were scandals. But, you know, most people, I dare say now, Chris and Brian, most people don't remember those at all. They remember Kretchen balancing the budget. And they also remember, which is uh, a, p- a political party problem, of Kretchen um, leaving office. Now, that was... <sighs> That was a that was a tough situation, but um, he left with his uh, head high and many well, he, he left the party uh, having won three majorities to uh, a guy who oh what what was he going to have he or what was he what did Susan Delacorte call oh right juggernaut jugger yeah that didn't work out <laughs> uh, Christy do you think sp- well it, it didn't but part of that Christy do you think sponsorship still resonates today I mean we're, we're twenty years on and you know it's going to be 20 years worth of new voters who have no clue what we're talking about. No, I think you, that's probably right. You'd have to be, this isn't Watergate or something like that. You have to be a certain age for it to, um, for it to resonate. I think it was, it was the perfect liberal scandal. I've always thought in, in that it, it, it conflated, <laughs> it conflated the national interest with the party's interest. Right. And it was it was so easy for people, obviously, to, to get sucked into it. Right. We're trying to save the country. Ah, but, you know, you know, a little, give a little kickback to the Liberal Party and they'll save the country, too. Um, you know, it was gross. It was absolutely uh, greasy, nasty scandal. But no, I, I don't think it I don't think it still resonates. I mean, I, you know, and why? Should, like, honestly, it shouldn't resonate. I mean, there's no reason to not vote liberal because of the sponsorship scandal. Um, you know, no one, no one's Chris, still left. Chris, let me come in here. You mentioned Watergate. And Watergate still resonates, even if most people who are not of our advanced years uh, don't know the specifics I mean, of Watergate. Yeah. They know that it was, it was Nixon, it was Republican, and it wasn't good. That's what they really know about it. Sponsorship, I dare say, even when your, your exchange with Brian a few minutes ago, most people don't have any idea what it was. The other thing I'm going to say, which will be controversial, is that it was for the it, it was for, intended to be for the the greater good, and you have to understand Quebec politics. And I think you use the word greasy, and uh, Quebec politics can be very very greasy. Look at SNC Lavalin and our current prime minister in that situation uh, a few years ago. And it was run by uh, Quebecers in the PMO and in the other offices in Quebec. It's a different. If it's it's a very different set of politics. I think when you use the word adjective greasy, you uh, you may very well be um, very too kind, Chris. Too kind because it's very different. Well, I think greasy is a good word, but let's talk about how he handled Quebec. Uh, there were times when he. You know, in in my view, would acquiesce. Uh, there were times when he would just tell the separatists to go pound sand. I was an Anglo living in Montreal in the early two thousands. I was always thankful that, on the language front, he took a, a strong stand. Unlike the current prime minister, who seems to think Anglo's don't matter as long as they vote liberal. Um, you know, the the remember the the Party Quebec wall was always screaming about the English, uh, the bilingual English and French traffic warning signs on the bridges. Well, the bridges are federal. 
They wanted it in French only, just like all the highway signs. And Chrétien would tell them, well, there are bridges, go to hell. Uh, I appreciated that. But you know, do you, when you look at the, the referendum, do you look at it and say, Chrétien kept the country together, he won the referendum, or do you say he almost lost the country, that was too close for comfort? I would say Chris? the latter. I would say the latter more than the former. Um, I mean, he didn't almost lose the country. I mean, it's kind of a. It's there's this myth that if it had been fifty percent plus one on that ridiculous like hundred and fifty word question, that suddenly Quebec would have a right to secede. That's just not. That's not a thing. Uh, you know, it would have. It probably would have led to negotiations, but they would have been negotiations between all the members of the federation, not just between Quebec and and Ottawa. But yeah, I, I think he was too complacent. Uh, going into that campaign, and I would think that the, my impression is that most historians don't see him as the as the real winner of that. It, it was more Jean Charest and and uh, people less less sort of antagonistic to the nationalist cause who uh, who pulled that out of the fire. Uh, but you know, it was tough. Like you know, that was a real moment for the for the separatist up, cause. So uh, up against the incredibly charismatic Lucien Bouchard, um, who uh, you know is Chrétien could hold a room because he was uh, the ah shucks little guy. Bouchard yeah. just had a different charisma that drew people to him. But Stephen, is there um, uh, a parallel between how Chrétien was PM and? People say he almost lost the country. Other people had to go in and, and fight the, the battle. And the 1980 referendum, where Pierre Trudeau was pr prime minister, and things weren't going well, and he had to send in Jean Chrétien as his justice minister to fight the battle. Well, uh, that's why I was just thinking about that 1980 uh, battle. I was in Ottawa then, not very involved at all with, uh, with Quebec. But I remember uh, Trudeau's speech at the uh, Paul Sauvé Arena in, uh, in Montreal, which uh, was viewed as a um, as a turning point um, in, in the public mind about uh, staying in Canada, Cretchen uh, was heavily involved. As well. gosh, I mean, virtually everybody in the federal government was uh, was sticking their oar in the water for that one. I think that uh, there was a bit of complacency with uh, with uh, the last one. I um, I I know that um, people didn't think it was a real threat until almost too late. And then they mobilized. Remember, uh, you know, Chris and Brian, the, the busloads of people going from Toronto to that big uh, rally in Montreal. So, you know, we love you. Don't go. I, 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 um, I, I, can tell you I could not get on the buses. There were that many people lined up. They turned hundreds of yeah. us away, if not thousands. Uh, but I was here in Toronto waiting to get on one of those buses that was going to take you overnight and it wasn't going to be comfortable, but that many people showed up. Right. Yeah, no, I was living in Montreal at the time. That was an absolutely incredible scene. It, and it's kind of hard to imagine something like that happening now when you think about it. Um, like yeah. just, just that level of attachment. Um, to I think people would anything. say, fine, go. Yeah. Some people, yeah, right now, but I mean, Kretchen, once he got motivated, and yes, you can be, um, you, Chris, I, you, people can be critical, and they say, well, you know, he almost lost it. Yep, the numbers show that. But, um, and you can be critical for saying, well, I didn't pay enough attention to it at the start. But once 
people started to realize, you know, holy doodle, this is a serious matter. He threw his guts into it. He threw his, uh, his back, his mouth, his guts, and all the lieutenants. And, um, and Quebec politics are not an easy situation to deal with. Quebec politicians, uh, even those in the Liberal Party, are not always easy to deal with, but uh, he did. And so, listen, the bottom line is um, he got through it. You know, some people, if you want to argue about Churchill, World War II, people say he almost lost the war too. Yeah, he almost lost the war sometimes, but he won it. So there you go. So you've been very complimentary of Mr. Cretchen today, uh, Stephen. And, and let's be honest with everyone. You're one of the people that forced him out. You were president of the party and went public and said, the guy's got to go. Tell us the story of how that happened. But yep. why did you say he had to go? Well, first of all, um, the constant, I, all I did, I wasn't against Gretchen. I'll tell you what was going on. Is oh, that you've been described as a horrible I, I, Martinite I, 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 by, uh, by some of his people, I'm sure. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh as one very wise judge who uh, knew politics well, told me a few years later, he said, Stephen, um, the, the Gretchenites think that you were for Martin. The Martinites think you were for Gretchen. They all don't like you. You did a great job. <laughs> <laughs> so I followed the law. And the law, the Constitution of the Liberal Party, has been changed when Martin was in there because he didn't want to happen to him what happened to Gretchen. Is that in the Constitution, I had to call a convention and a vote within a year of every election. And in the first, after the, the first two elections, they were called. Gretchen easily got through. But after the last election, his people let him down. He um, he was not well served by, particularly by people in some people in Toronto and many people in Montreal. And uh, I had to go to uh, 24 Sussex. We had a chat. His chief of uh, staff, his principal secretary knew what I was doing. Others knew what I was doing. And I said, you know, Prime Minister, you have to go. Or I will call the convention, but you're going to lose the convention. And rather than lose the convention and the vote, you have to go. And, and he couldn't, he was gobsmacked. He couldn't believe it. My people tell you this. I said, well, you go back and ask your people the tough questions, which I gave them. And uh, two months later, he phoned me and said, yes, I, I, I hear your point and I'm going to resign. He was let down by his people, um, but I was going to follow the law of the uh, party. And both the Kretchen forces and the Martin forces uh, allowed me to extend that period of time before I had to call a vote at a convention. And um, it, you know, it was it was messy, but uh, ultimately everybody knew it was. You know, I'm a lawyer. I tried to, the law is very clear on this thing. I followed the law, and everybody got pissed off with me. But that's the way it goes sometimes. Excuse my French. Now, uh, I'll, I'll ask you to both comment on this. Um, you first, even then, Chris. Uh, when he stepped down, he was 70 years old. Uh, this is a guy who was yep. called yesterday's man before he was even prime minister and then staged a water skiing <laughs> photo op so that uh, he could show that he, he wasn't yesterday's man. But he leaves at 70 and was considered past his best before date. We've got two octogenarians running to be president of the United States right now. And, you know, Kretchen looks about as spry as they do. Um, you know, have we changed our view on how old politicians, uh, you know, can be or are still effective? I mean, Do Donald Trump and, and Joe Biden, um, they're going to be wandering around the retirement home soon. And Americans, uh, that's their only choice between those two. 
Yeah, and I think that uh, no one's going to say that uh, Biden is an example of a Nakajarian who is uh, in uh, in peak form. Uh, remember, years ago in 1980, uh, people thought Ronald Reagan uh, was too old to become uh, president. I don't know what he was. He was probably in his early 70s or late 60s. Gretchen at 70 was in good shape. He used to like to hear the stories of Gladstone, the British prime minister, who was prime minister um, for another 10 years after Gretchen. He said, well, I can do this. And I dare say, Brian and Chris, I dare say he could do it. He was uh, doing a pretty good job. Gretchen was let down by his staunch supporters. I was in the middle. I was neutral. But I think that uh, you bring up the point of 70, um, you know, right now, uh, 70 is the old 60. I think that uh, he uh, could have continued on and done a good job. I think that, uh, and look at him at 90. I, it was, wasn't it just a few years ago, Brian, he was uh, skiing down, not water skiing, he was snow, snow skiing. He's yeah. going down the, the, I mean, the hills. Apparently he's playing pickleball, which is all the rage these days. Ah. Gosh, you won't you won't catch me or Chris playing pickleball. I don't know, Chris. Do you play pickleball, and how do you feel about octogenarians running for office? Well, I've never played pickleball, but I would happily try it if uh, if I was invited uh, for a round. It's an interesting question. I, I think, as I as I recall, and and this is just an impression, I felt like Trudeau, or sorry, Kretchen, uh, as he got older, was getting less and less coherent in both languages. Um, not that I think that he, that that his brain wasn't functioning, but just I felt like <laughs> hearing him talk was more and more of a of yes, a challenge Chris. to try to figure out what he's saying. He and you look at some of the quotes. Chris. No, no, he no. That's in either language. <laughs> yeah. And you look at some of the quotes that that uh, just over the past couple of days um, that have been printed. And uh, what was it? There's there's just some great lines uh right it was asked um uh Vasi Kapilos on on ctv asked asked him whether he thought justin trudeau should run you know should stay on and he says uh, you have to make the right decision a decision is a decision when you're in the your car you have to make a decision either a truck is coming down turn left you have to turn right a truck is coming so every decision is important <laughs> 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 I don't know what that means. You couldn't write this stuff. No. But but no, put it on an inspirational poster. (laughs) Yeah, I got a needlepoint or something. Like, it's just, (laughs) uh, you know, he had some kind of special, he had some kind of thing that just not very many politicians have um, that he can just, he can charm, he could charm a room, but like, if you ask me to describe what his charm was, I mean, I never found him charming. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, I mean, I, I guess I did. I, well, I sort of understood. I, I'll, I'll just, say this as, as someone it, it, who, who scrummed him, who covered him, uh, both as a local reporter in Montreal and then on the Hill. Um, sometimes he, sometimes he would get tough questions, Stephen. And sometimes you'd be going at him hammer and tong, and he would just come out with the, the weirdest thing to say and he would charm you by the end it, it, like, chris is right like he'd come up with these sayings about brushing bird shit off your shoulder and people would yeah. laugh and okay smile and move oh, on okay and pepper spray pepper, pepper spray yeah yeah i put it on my plate let me uh 
one observation, not one observation that not that many people know about is that if Gretchen were going to speak to a room of a thousand people, and in advance of that he was in you know a waiting room of three or four people, he would get and he'd get sort of bored, and he would go out and deliver a flat speech. If you brought him into that room of a thousand people and people were cheering and he was walking down the aisle and people were sticking their hands out, you know, and women trying to kiss him and he would get fired up. And and we did this. We learned, we learned he would be fired up and he would go out and he would give a stem winder of a speech. It was unbelievable. He did have, as as Chris put it, some, some charm. And as you put it, you know, he would, he would just, uh, Brian, he, he could be extraordinarily persuasive. And even if you disagreed with him, I feel people say, well, God, you know what? I don't want to agree with anything he said, but I sure liked listening to him. <laughs> people would do that. So yeah. he, he does have a particular chemistry. <laughs> yeah. Kind of like a Ralph Klein or a Doug Ford today or. And it's just, it's right on the edge of arrogance. It's, it, it's a, you know, there's a few people like that. Ralph Klein was like that. Doug Ford is like that today. Um, it's a rare commodity, and uh, I bet that political consultants wish they could bottle it. Uh, gents, thank you very much for uh, your time today. I'm not sure we figured out what Kretchen's legacy was, but we'll leave it there and uh, and allow the uh, the audience to weigh in and let them decide on on how it is. So thank you again very much. My pleasure, Brian. Bye, Chris. Full Comment is a post-media podcast. My name's Brian Lilly, your host. This episode was produced by Andre Pru with theme music by Bryce Hall. Kevin Libin is the executive producer. Remember, you can subscribe to Full Comment on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Help us out by leaving a rating or review and tell your friends about us. Thanks for listening. Until next time, I'm Brian Lilly. <laughs>